0: Hello everyone, this is David Douthit. This
1: is Molly Douthit, And
0: welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul.
1: Today we are covering Word Smart and Math Smart for the lectionary selections for the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, or proper 10, here C. It's a classic parable of neighborliness this week in Luke's Gospel. Paul opens his letter to the Colossians with prayers for wisdom and strength. The Lord says the Torah is near at hand in Deuteronomy. And a psalm. Don't leave your sermon beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. Join us for illustrations and special effects.
0: This podcast is based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, centered on the weekly readings for the Revised Common Lectionary, we develop illustrations and special effects using various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. Over the course of four weeks, we will cover Word Smart, Eye Smart, Math Smart, Body Smart, Music Smart, Nature Smart, People Smart, and Self Smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage, morethanhearing.org.
1: Join us as we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Then, we encourage you to try it for yourself. Anytime time and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started.
0: Yes, let's get started, shall we? It's good to have you back with us if you're a return visitor, if you're a first-timer. Very glad that you found us, and in either case, we hope that uh, you find something useful here, and uh, we invite you to take part and uh, share with us if you use any of our stuff or if you come up with something else, and just let us know. We'd love to hear from you so uh, a couple things to let you know here, first of all is that we're going on vacation for a couple of weeks, so we're going to be doing some encore presentations for the next uh two weeks at anyway, least two. Mm-hmm. which at least means that they'll probably get posted early in the week <laughs> uh, <laughs> So there's that, but it's some good material. Uh, it'll be uh, our shows from 2016, Year C. Yes,
1: and uh, and a couple of them are using both of the Old Testament passages. Oh, aren't which we? In, yeah, on well, top of a couple of them, not all of them. <laughs> yeah, I think the ne- the one for next week, we I think we just couldn't make up our minds between the Genesis and the Amos passage, so that we used could them be.
0: both. That could be. So uh, we'll do that for a couple of weeks and hope to be back on the for the uh, week of the first Sunday in August. Although we have Vacation Bible School that week, so uh, might be another Woo-hoo! encore. <laughs> so it might end up with three encores. We'll have to see how it rolls. Yes. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll we'll still be checking around on the uh, social media and things like that, so you can let us know what's going on. Right. Uh, Okay, so let's take a look at the smarts for this week. So uh, we're doing math smart and word smart this week. So Molly, tell us a little about word smart.
1: Okay, well, I am using quotes directly from a couple of websites, one from a website called uh, Multiple Intelligence well, the article is called Multiple Intelligences in a Church Context at Building Faith, a ministry of Virginia Theological Seminary. This article was written by a woman named Sharon Eli Pearson, and she says, The verbal, linguistic, or word smart person is someone who likes to learn new vocabulary, play with words, read, and write. We can read Bible stories to them, invite them to read the Bible on their own, introduce a concordance to them when they are ready, offer word puzzles and games using words from worship and scripture. This is in a Christian education context and is speaking mostly about children and how to engage the word smart children. Uh, Diana Waring, who has a blog or a website called Diana Waring, Education That's Relational, talks about the verbal linguistic person as somebody who has the ability to enjoy and use language through word games, books, recordings, trivia, poetry, papers, discussion, and other forms of verbal expression. This person needs words in order to communicate. And looking at word smart in scripture, Jesus told stories. Scripture as a whole is considered the story of God's salvation. And Christians are known by other faiths as people of the book. So there is an awful lot that is word smart in our faith. And historically, word smart has been fairly heavy in its representation in our worship services. This is why we are doing this particular podcast called More Than Hearing. But we're looking specifically at word this week, so we're kind of going back on. <laughs> yeah,
0: that. We, well, we we keep it in the rotation because yeah. uh, it's we, good,
1: well, it's good to it's remind good stuff, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and, it's, good and our, it's good
0: to do different sorts of word smart activities exactly. besides just preach.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, yep. Yeah. So. There you go. All right.
0: I'm doing Math Smart this week, which is also called Logical Mathematical Intelligence. And also going from buildfaith.org, Sharon Eli Pearson. She said, again, about education this person likes to be precise, figure out relationships, have a special goal, and solve things. This learner thinks best with sequence, structure, and organization, and we can invite them to develop timelines for biblical events, draw family trees with characters from the Bible, measure distances with Bible maps, and outline themes learned. That's for the young learner. You could also use several of those sorts of things in your preaching and worship. Mm -hmm. Uh, So numbers, um, formulas, charts, and graphs, and logical development of arguments are all math smart kinds of things. We also throw in science and law. Uh, in our explorations of Math Smart, uh, Jesus used Math Smart himself. I think in developing arguments, especially with the lawyers, scribes, and Pharisees, but he also used it in several of his parables, uh, like the parable of the talents, where you have to do some ciphering, and uh, <laughs> the unforgiving steward, and some of the others where where the numbers get really uh, kind of. Exaggerated. A
1: hundredfold um, increase. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Stuff like that. All right. We're going to apply these to this week's passages. So let's get to it. The gospel lesson for year C, ordinary 15, is Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. It is the parable of the Good Samaritan. There you go. All right. All right. Let's what get else into do you need then. to know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> not much not
0: much uh okay so um i mean everybody knows this parable even people who know nothing about christianity right, right. They, they at least know the term good samaritan yep all right so i'm going to take a look at math smart for this and uh um in thinking about the the dynamics here, of uh, mine got kind of blurry. I got a lot of peopley and self smart stuff uh, okay. going on in here. But um, there was a study done in the late nineteen seventies uh, by a couple of guys named Darley and Batson, and it's called the Darley Batson Good Samaritan Study. It was done. Uh, they oh. were professors at Princeton at Princeton University, and they did this study at Princeton Theological Seminary.
1: Hmm, Because it's about the Good Samaritan?
0: Well, yeah. They were wondering about uh, pro-social behaviors, Hmm. which are things that build community, basically. And um, so they went to the seminary because they figured, hey, bunch of religious nuts. You know, (laughs) they, they ought to know something about this. And they set up a situation where uh, different people were—first they did a survey to find out about their backgrounds and all that sort of stuff and their theology and whatnot. But then they gave them a task, and they either had to write a presentation about the work that they were doing at seminary or about the Good Samaritan. And then they had to go across campus to give the presentation— and along the way, there was a planned incident where they had to go through a narrow uh, alleyway and th- there w- they had an actor there who was in distress. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they actually had to, you know, it was like four feet wide, this alleyway. So it, it, pretty obvious, you know, if they, if they weren't going to stop to help the guy, they almost literally had to step over him. Wow. Wow. They, they told some of them, you got plenty of time, just make your way over there. Some of them, they said, well, you, you probably ought to get going. And some said, holy cow, you're late. And mm. um, and what they found was, in short, that their theology made no difference um, in their helping behavior. The task that they were given made no difference in their helping behavior. What made a difference was whether they were in a hurry or not, oh wow! And those who were in a hurry were not likely to help.
1: Oh wow! Yeah. So the priest and the Levite were, were late for they, temple. They were
0: late for temple is oh as good a my. thing as as good a guess as any. So this
1: preaches.
0: Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and in our busy society, uh-huh. right? So, um,
1: down to schedule, down to the minute, you right? can't stop to help some. Exactly.
0: So the thing here, uh, what makes this math smart then is the statistics, right? Right. So I've got some links that will go into this in a little bit more detail. And there's a video that I've got that summarizes the experiment and then article and the article gives some of the statistics specifically. And so, um, that gives you your math smart, plus developing the arguments around all of this, mm-hmm. uh, plus the science. Um, and, and so for a special effect with that, you can do a chart or graph of the, uh, of the different helping behavior versus time thing. Right? Mm-hmm. And I've got an example of that on my worksheet, which you can find at morethanhearing.org. So, all right, well, that's, wow. Uh, so that's a big thing. Then I found a few other articles about that same sort of pro-social behavior in in crisis situations. So um, I've got links to an article at Aeon, A-E-O-N dot com, about the bystander effect. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really interesting article. I'd really commend that to you. Uh, It's by Melanie McGrath. And uh, she was actually a victim of assault on a public street. And so she has some context for, uh, for all of this. And it's really a good article. Um, so take a look at that. And then uh, th- I also have something that's uh, exploring Jewish law about neighbors. And so I've got a few links there for some websites that explore that. Um, and, it, you know, it seems like to me that lawyers and engineers – like to have clear guidelines and rules for all the contingencies, right? And so yep. maybe the lawyer in this story just wanted to know what the rule was. You know, they had a right. rule for how right. far you could walk on the Sabbath, how close does my neighbor live, right? right? So that's what he wanted, he wanted to check the box. And you know, Jesus, Jesus is like,
1: nope. Nah, that's <laughs> not how
0: this works, right? Nope. That's not how any of this works. Um, so a couple of really good articles I think about the uh, neighborliness from a Jewish perspective and arguing how to understand the the statement of the law, love your neighbor as yourself. That was really cool too, and and very uh, math smart there. So okay, lots of stuff. Uh, don't worry, I don't have anything else for any of the passages. But <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I do. But. Oh. <laughs> It, it shouldn't take me nearly so long. <laughs> oh,
1: okay, okay. Well, that's all right because I don't have that much for word smart for okay. this, right. ironically enough. <laughs> so uh, maybe has an illust- I've got two options for an ill for an illustr. Well, no, really, one option for an illustration. Uh, what comes to mind with the words "Good Samaritan"? Uh, is it a parable? Or a hospital, mm-hmm. or a law. Or there a is a Good Samaritan law. Yeah, yeah, or the person. Yeah. Uh, so, before you read the text, ask your congregation to help you tell the story. I mean, just say mm. it's. This is the story of a Good Samaritan. Let's tell this. And then have people tell it. Don't correct any mistakes. Don't elaborate on any details. See how well you all, quote, know the story before you read it. Pay attention to the characters outside the story, too, particularly the lawyer who asked the question to get this all started. See if anybody knows that's how it's set up. Mm. And if anybody knows the context in which the parable is told. So say, okay, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Go! Cool, and see what happens. Yeah, that would so be that's fun. an illustration, but it's actually more of a special effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have a couple of links specifically as a special effect to sermons at sermons that work from the Episcopal Church. Uh, so there's one sermon that retells the parable with a modern update, which is quite effective. Um, it involves a coffee shop. And then there's another sermon that suggests looking at the story from the point of view of the man beaten by the robbers. Hmm. So, there's some storytelling options for WordSmart. Cool. See how that works.
0: All right, let's go on.
1: The Epistle Lesson for Year C. Ordinary 15, proper 10, is the letter to the Colossians, Chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Uh, Essentially, it's the introduction to the book. Um, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father.
0: And also with you. Uh,
1: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Paul is uh, lavishing... um, praise on on the colossians for what they for what Paul and Timothy and his and and the people that around Paul and Timothy have heard about them uh they've heard that they are they have faith and love for all the saints they have hope in the word of truth that the gospel has come to you. It's bearing fruit and growing in the world, bearing fruit among them from the day that they heard it and truly comprehended God's grace. And since they have heard this about the Colossians, they have not ceased praying for them and asking they be filled with knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that they may lead lives worthy to the Lord, fully pleasing. And on to that point. So anyway, it's pretty much the introduction, and it's uh, it's a good one. It really kind of grabs your attention. Um, but what grabbed my attention as far as word smart in this is in verses four, five, six, and nine. Some version of the Greek word akuo is her is used. Uh, if you look at it in Greek, there are different uh, prefixes and suffixes on it. Mm-hmm. And used in different tenses and, and forms, but it's all the base, the word, the Greek word akuo, which means "I hear" or "I listen." Mm-hmm. So, for an illustration, spend some time differentiating between those two words. For instance, when we hear, we receive we receive sound waves in our ears. The process is, you know, a little more complex than that, but essentially it's a physical sensation from outside stimuli. You hear something. Mm. Did you hear that? There you I go. Did. But when we listen, we engage more of our being. We may cock our heads to the center and center our ears to try to center it on the sound to gather more information. We may breathe differently, maybe a little quieter, and maybe refocus our eyes. Maybe we kind of. Look up. or we look? You sort of need the visual there <laughs> <laughs> just to see what I was doing. Uh, we definitely engage our inner thought processes to scan for information as to whether we have heard that sound before or if it's new. And I think that Paul is operating on the definition to listen mm-hmm. rather than simply to hear. There are some body and people smart um, engaged with this illustration as well. Body for, you know, the posture that you adopt and also some people smart for scanning for information, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe some self-smart in that as well. So for a special effect based on this illustration, play some sounds, just any random sounds, just go grab a library of sounds and play them and then ask the people to identify number one, what the sound is. And if it's not really clear what it is, that could be a lot of fun, getting people to try to identify what it is. And number two, what the sound reminds them of. Hmm. I mean, if it's like a bell and they go, that's a bell. What kind of a bell? Does that sound like an alarm clock bell? Does that sound like a church bell? Does that sound like a school bell? What kind of bell? What sort of associations come up in that for you? It's a real simple exercise that demonstrates the different levels of cognitive and relational processing. Hmm. So the cognitive is that's a bell. The relational is that's a bell that sounds like on the, the clock in my grandmother's living room. Uh-huh. so And I think Paul is, is kind of angling for that relational we've heard this about you and, and, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and you heard this about Jesus. So it, it's more of that, just you know. Oh, I heard that, but oh, I I listened, and it made a difference.
0: Cool, neat. What you get? for math smart? I was thinking about this, and the the, uh, the sh- this was hard to to put into math at first. But what I came up with was that Paul's description of the radical shift in understanding life, the universe, and everything that happens from he- Hearing, listening to the gospel, comprehending the gospel in verses five and six and on, um, it could be compared to the shift in mathematics with the invention of zero.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, uh, which is a relatively recent development in human yeah, not development. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fifth century A.D. Yeah. Wow, yeah, the that's fifth century. kind of young so somewhere between the 300s and the and the 600s maybe somewhere in that neighborhood hmm. and it developed uh, independently in different cultures around the world. It appears to have first shown up in India though. and uh, the thing about zero is first you need it as a placeholder mm-hmm. when you start delineating the different columns of numbers right right. Um, so, you can't do, for example, the number 1068 if you don't have a zero. Right. Or it's Cause more it, challenging. Right. Because right, if you cause, write it
1: down, it'd be 168. Right. Which is really difficult to, uh, to teach children sometimes. Yes. Yes. Oh.
0: So, uh, so, it's not maybe a native concept mm. zero. And uh, the other things are. Mm -hmm. So, um, so having that as a placekeeper, but then also being a mathematical concept, being a number of itself.
1: A number of nothing?
0: Yeah. And, and that changed everything about understanding mathematics. And I won't go into it here because I probably don't understand it well (laughs) enough to go into it here, but it made possible um, all manner of different developments. Uh, and the article that I've got linked to here says that it allows us to perform calculus, to do complicated equations, and to have invented computers. Wow! So you would not be listening to this podcast if, <laughs> if it weren't for the zero. if it weren't for zeros. Wow! So that radical shift made possible a whole new development of science and and uh, mathematics for human beings. And just
1: like the crucifixion and resurrection. Just like the gospel. Ha. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like that. That that preaches too. All right. Let's go on.
0: The psalm for Year C, Ordinary 15 is Psalm 25, verses 1 through 10. This psalm starts off uh, imploring God not to let the psalmist be put to shame by, by enemies, but instead put them to shame because shame on them. <laughs> Um, uh, help, help me to know your paths, Lord, and lead me in truth. Uh, and by the way, don't remember any of my sins, please, especially from my youth. And,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's some people smart in that one. Uh, yeah, I think
0: probably so. Um, so, uh, good and upright is the Lord. The Lord leads the humble in what is right and all the paths of the Lord our steadfast love and faithfulness. So it's just like that. Okay. Uh, Okay, so I'm doing math smart for this and didn't really come up with a whole lot, but let's hear what you have, Dave. Okay. (laughs) In particular, looking at verse seven, do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. And according to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Trying to think of that in math smart terms, it's like the MC button on a calculator. Uh you remember calculators, right? Yes. So, yes, uh, I do. I even have one on my computer. Well, it, well of course. Yeah. They're <laughs> on the computer now or on your phone. But we used to actually have calculators by themselves. <laughs> the the height of technology, some of them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the the most simple were four things, plus, minus They were adding machines. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, And then when they got a little bit more advanced, they had a memory button. Mm -hmm. And you could store a number in there and reuse that one number, just one. uh, You could store that one number and reuse it for a series of calculations. And then when you're done with it, and that was the M plus button, right? So that would add it to the memory. You punch in the number and... M plus, And then when you're done with it, you hit MC, which is memory clear, and it's gone. So that's kind of what the psalmist is asking for here, is remember me. So that would be the M plus maybe. Uh, Don't remember my sins. M clear, MC. Uh, Just wipe that out. Wipe out that memory. And, and, um, you know, theologically or psychologically, we are prone to bring up our sins over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Uh, so uh, knowing that God clears the memory might help us also clear the memory and get past it so that we can uh, move, on. move on and live a more righteous life.
1: Hmm. Good point.
0: So that's what I've got. What have you got for WordSmart?
1: Oh, all sorts of word nerd stuff. Um, uh, yeah. So in verse 2, uh, I got caught on the word uh, that is translated into English as exalt. In Hebrew, it's "alats," uh, could be translated as either rejoice or "exult" or taunt. What? Run away or I shall taunt you a second time <laughs> to express great pleasure or happiness, especially at someone else's defeat or failure. Do not let my enemies taunt me. Mm. So that got me to thinking about taunts other than just the one in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, (laughs) Schoolyard taunts can really be brutal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and sometimes they can really be obscure I found a link to a site uh, called fun trivia that has a couple different quizzes about schoolyard taunts rhymes and songs which apparently the, so it's got all these questions and you and it's a, a, a multiple choice questions and you guess them and submit your answers, and then the person who put this together has answers for them until you get to the bottom and find out he just made them all up. <laughs> but it is kind of fun to take them, and I did okay on a couple of them. <laughs> like, um, according to the rhyme, where does Popeye the Sailor Man live? In a garbage right in can. Garbage in can. Kazakhstan in South Japan and an electric fan. Yes, yeah, in a garbage, garbage can. 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 Right. Uh, so it's not really so much taunts as it is the schoolyard rhymes and, and songs and things like that. So I went looking for more about taunts, and I came across an article from The Guardian, which is a uh, newspaper in so the So you United just got Kingdom. distracted on that. I That's totally a- <laughs> did, and it was okay. a lot of fun, and I wanted to share it with you. All right. So, anyway, uh, so I found an article in The Guardian um, about taunts, and there was one particular exchange uh, between Winston Churchill and George Bernard Shaw. Uh, The the article says, when Shaw reportedly wrote to Churchill, I am enclosing two tickets to the first night of my new play, Bring a Friend, if you have one, (laughs) Churchill allegedly replied, cannot possibly attend first night will attend second if there is one <laughs> so that kind of created some uh, back and forth that has been gleeful or, or, as the article says recounted gleefully by generations indeed the article goes on to say that playground insults then which is this taunting that the psalmist is hoping that his enemies do not Due to him, uh, playground insults then are most effective. Any taunts involving immediate family or partners, specifically the suggestion that you may have been intimate with them recently, should suffice, as should barbs based around physical, sexual, or sporting prowess, the less convoluted and mature, the better. If in doubt, the phrase most likely to generate outrage is the universal your mum, which translates <laughs> seamlessly across language barriers. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> But yes, anyway, so there's an illustration about taunts and how they can, uh, people just will go to great lengths to avoid them or come back at somebody with a good one. So for a special effect, I was looking at um, verse 9, teach, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way, teach being the Hebrew word lamad, which carries within it a sense of learning through experience. Which uh, I think you can uh, set up a. Th- this is a special effect. Set up a simple puzzle or a word play game that one can pick up and learn through experience. The experience of working through it. A really good example I I have of that. Um, one of the, my, son, my Sunday morning rituals is hopping in the car and playing the uh, NPR Sunday word puzzle with Will Shorts, the editor of the New York Times Crossword Puzzle. Um, so this last week, he had one where you uh, took out a letter from a particular word and you anagrammed the remaining letters to uh, each one of them would come up with a fabric a particular type of fabric, and one of them really threw me. Uh, but anyway, that's the kind of puzzle of, of being, and it, it humbles you <laughs> as you play these, because you think, I know stuff, I can do this. And then as you start playing, is like, I don't know what he's talking about. And so it's sort of a, a humbling experience, uh, and you learn through humility. Mm-hmm. So if you approach that puzzle as, I have no idea what's going to happen, then you usually have a lot of fun playing it. Um, so yeah,
0: the thing that I find is that, uh, in doing that, uh, the first couple might be hard and then it gets easier as you go because you start to fall into the exactly.
1: pattern. Yeah. And that's the idea is that yeah. the, the, the humility or being humbled, being knocked off your, your high horse of, I know this stuff. Um, you, you, you begin learning through the mm-hmm. process and, and yeah. And I think that's, that's pretty much what Will is, is up to with his, with his puzzles. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a special effect. You can have a lot of fun with that.
0: Cool. Let's go on.
1: The Old Testament lesson for Year C, Ordinary 15, is from the book Deuteronomy. We're doing the uh, complementary Old Testament lesson. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 9 through 14. It really ought to be 9b, I think, because it just sort of makes more sense to start at. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, as opposed to the... it starts at the beginning of verse nine. But anyway, um, the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors when you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in the book of the law. And that's where I stopped. Because, hey, <laughs> words written in the book of the law. Well, I did go on, but um, it's about the commandments. The commands, uh, they're not too hard for you, they're not too far away. Uh, as a matter of fact, this particular um, uh, reading ends at verse 14. Know the word is very near to you, it is in your mouth and your heart for you to observe. So, verse 10 written in the book of the law, which is an illustra- you could illustrate this by talking about um, a recipe book. Mm -hmm. a textbook, a user's manual, a law book. So the idea is that something has been written down that you go back and you reference. Mm -hmm. So uh, any kind of book that might be considered a reference or a step-by-step or a this is what you need to do next or a troubleshooting like a user's manual. Um, So I I, kind of get the sense that that's what the Deuter the the author of Deuteronomy is is getting at here is that you have been given uh, by God what you need in order to uh, to live and to thrive and to uh, uh, you know prosper in the land. It's right here. It's this book. Um, so that that made me think. You know what, what sorts of what sorts of things do we use in that way? So you know, reference books mm-hmm. um, for a special effect. I was looking at verse fourteen. Where the author says, "No, the word is very near to you." And I got to thinking, how would you get the word near to you?" And I thought, "Oh well, maybe you would make something that you would you would have near you. And thought, oh, pff, the word duh um, make a cross. Make a cross necklace. And mm. I found a project that you can do with beads and string. It's very, very simple. And you could have uh, kids of all ages do it during a worship service. And there's a, a link to a Pinterest site that has one specific pattern that caught my attention. But if you scroll down the page, there are some other options that are a little more elaborate, which you, know, you might interest uh, older children doing. So make some and uh, in, encourage your ki- you know, This could be something that you do as you're talking about the word and about the, the, the law written for us being near to us, very near to our hearts and our mouths. Um, and uh, allow people to make that and uh, then keep one for yourself. And if you make another, give one away.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So you could maybe do it like a, I'm thinking too of a like a John three sixteen bracelet or something. Oh, sure, or, uh-huh. yeah, you know something along those lines.
1: Or if you don't want to do it during your sermon, do it as a children's sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a couple that are pre-made for the littlest ones that won't have time to do it, but for the older kids, come up and say, "This is how you do it," and show them. And it's really simple, yeah. especially the the one that I specifically link to. There's like six beads, seven maybe. So it'd be
0: like phylacteries, right? Putting the word on Well, you on, could, on or order.
1: make it like a necklace. Uh, yeah. I mean, a, a necklace probably makes more sense for a child.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, it's a, a similar principle. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're binding the word onto right, your body. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, for math smart, the, the Lord is trying to say here, the law is, it's really close. It's here. It, there's nothing you have to do. Here it is. Right? So the law is not a puzzle that you have to figure out. You know? And that got me thinking about the, uh, a video that we saw in America's Funniest Videos last week. Uh, uh, a dad who was flummoxed when, when his daughter was asking him a, a riddle, which was, Stacy's mother had four daughters. The first was April, the second was May, the third was June. What was the name of the fourth daughter?
1: Oh yeah, he had a hard time. He, with that he
0: one. just couldn't get it. He had no idea, and and that was that was the video. And they never actually gave the answer. Um,
1: well, I, they I did. Guess, I guess they did. They, it, well, it's just they kept repeating the question yeah, yeah. over and over and emphasizing yes. some words, and he was just like, "What? I don't, I, don't
0: I, I don't get it." November. No, no listen, listen to the. <laughs> no, I'm done, and that was it. That was the end of the video. All right. So, uh it's not that. It's nothing you have to figure out, okay? It's right there. It's right there. It's, it's straightforward like Okay, spoiler alert. If you don't want to know the answer, then skip ahead 10 seconds here. A mother had four daughters, April, May, June, and Stacy. <laughs> spoiler alert. Stacy's oh, oh. mom <laughs> has got, got it going on. on. Yeah, no, I Similarly, uh, the law doesn't require higher math that you have to figure out. There are no integrals here. There's no calculus going there's no on. Zero. There's, there's no differential equations, right? It's no trigonometry or geometry. It's just straightforward addition and subtraction. So it's right here. It's That's all you have to do is count the numbers, you know? And so... Um, that would be another mathematical example of, of how this is supposed to work. It's, it's not that hard, people. It's right <laughs> here. <laughs> that's it. That's all there is. It's right here. So do it. Well, that's our podcast for today. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org or facebook.com slash hearing or tweet us at more-than-hearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions or maybe got an idea you like better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We'd love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship.
1: Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website, they go hand-in-glove with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes, Google Play, Android, or good old RSS. Or, point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org feed podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store, and of course, you can share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. Is
0: not in service at this time. This is a Whip It Good production.
1: There's something wrong with this microphone.
0: <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> <laughs>